All right, guys, welcome back to Real Men Talk. Tonight we're going to talk about our battle defenses, our strategic offenses against the devil and how we can counter his attacks. Um, we're going to dive into that a little bit. We're also going to talk about some things that are uh, happening in our daily lives that we can do to help combat the devil that are in plain sight. So let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, welcome back to Real Men Talk. This week, uh, my buddy Anthony is a little sick, so I'm doing this solo this week. So I hope I can do it justice. Be in prayer for Anthony as he's feeling better, hopefully, in the next coming days. Um, but today I want to talk about our strategic defenses, what we see what we have in plain sight you know the devil he doesn't work i mean he works in the behind the scenes he works in the darkness he's never going to work in the light but there are a lot of things that we can do that we can bring him into the light so we don't um we have an easier time battling him because we a lot of the times all of our battles that we're fighting is against the devil i mean uh, let's just be honest a lot of the times it is sometimes we're battling ourselves just because by choices we make but a lot of the times we're we're um forgetting that we have a common enemy and that we're not working against each other, but we're working against the devil. And nowadays we have many different, different avenues of temptations. We have a lot of things that are right at our fingertips. And I don't feel that we, we have more opportunities um, per se, but we have more in opportunities to be enticed. We have, we're more available. I should say we have everything at our fingertips. We live in a microwave society where we, we have created a way to have everything, no matter what we ask for it. And most of the time we can get it. Um, I mean, when we go through it, all you have to do is if we want to see something, we can Google it real quick. If we need to find an answer to a question, we can Google it real quick. I mean, I have students every single day. They go, coach, why can I just Google this? Uh, Because you have to learn how to do some things by yourself. And we've, we've come to the point where we have become so reliant on everything else that we don't do a lot of things by ourselves. We actually go through and we want everything right at our fingertips. I mean, you want groceries, you can have them delivered. You want to go get food, you can go through the drive-thru really fast. I mean, unless it's Burger King and then they'll make you pull forward at least three or four times um, before you get your food. If you want to call somebody or you you need to get a hold of somebody, you'd, it wasn't like in the, oh, I shouldn't say olden days, but even when I was growing up, um, you'd have to call the school to get a hold of your kids. Now my students are like, can I text my mom and dad? Like you can get a hold of somebody right then and there. And what we've, what we've done is we go through and we've created this mentality that if we want it, we should get it right now. And that's a mentality that, that gets us in trouble. If we, it's, I don't want to say it's called a selfish, but it's kind of got us to the point where we feel entitled. We feel like if we want it, it should belong to us right then and there. And that's the hard parts. I mean, even when you go through, there's this, this commercial. I remember it was the JG Wentworth commercial. It's my money and I want it now. And, you know, that's awesome and everything, but that's the mentality that we've stuck with. It's the mentality that we are always going to keep. It's the mentality that's going to drive us every single day on what we're doing. It's, it's my money and I want it now. It's my food and I want it now. It's my groceries and I want it now. It's my, you know, lifestyle and I want it now. I mean, you look at, you get on the internet and we, uh, about a year ago now, we did a, uh, started a new business endeavor and it was an e-commerce store that we started up and, I don't want to say we had that mentality of, you know, the get rich quick scheme, but we had the mentality of, you know, it's going to be less work in the long run if we can do this. And what turned out to be something we thought was going to be awesome turned out 
that if we didn't do any of the work, if we didn't want to do any of the work, that it wasn't going to happen. And we got stuck in that mentality of, I want it now. I want to, I don't want to have to work as hard for it. And that's where we kind of all get to. But what ends up happening is because we have asked for it, we think we need to receive it, but it's not always in the best of ways. I mean, going back to that e-commerce store that we started, it wasn't the best way to do it. I didn't put any blood, sweat, or tears into it. I didn't have anything. We had a company manage it for us and um, I didn't have any buy into it. I, I, you know, I invested money into it. And then once that happened, we moved on and I just had to do small things here and there, but there was no importance to me. I never got anything, anything out of it that was valuable. I didn't have to do, you know, the brick and mortar store and then go to e-commerce. It was right then and there. And what happens is we do that. We want it now, but we don't always get it in the best of ways. And so we move away from discerning what is right and wrong and what we need to do. And we end up trading patience for convenience. And I, I am guilty as anybody else who's listening to this podcast is guilty that we want convenience. We will pay for convenience. Um, we did a lot of work on our house. We remodeled the downstairs in the basement. And there was a time where I was like, you know, I told my wife, I said, we could just pay somebody to do this. I don't have to do this. I mean, we put in two bedrooms, we put in a storage room, living room, kitchenette, everything downstairs. I mean, it was a, f- a blank slate. So we did what we could. Um, but what ended up happening was I wanted to pay for the convenience. I wanted to pay for the convenience of me not to have to do it. And now looking back, I'm glad I did because it, it, there's more value in it. We're trying to sell our home now. And I see the importance of it. People are coming in and they are saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's low ball an offer. Let's give them, you know, 20, 30,000 below asking price. I'm like, no, I went in there and I did that blood, sweat and tears downstairs, but I, I found the importance. I found the buy-in that I needed. And I, and I almost did. I almost traded that patience for convenience. But whatever solution we can do the fastest and the quickest is the path that we take. We don't want to hear from God. Well, we want to hear from God. I, should, I shouldn't say that. We want to hear from God, but we want to hear from God on our timeline. We don't want to go through and we don't want to wait for his answer. We don't want to see what it's going to look like. We just want to hear right then and there. And, you know, oftentimes I was listening to this song. Uh, Carrie Joe had a song. It's called Speak to Me, I'm Listening. And there was about, it was probably about two years ago now, I did a devotion on that with our worship team. And I said, how often do we sit there and we just ask God to speak to us? How often do we want to hear from God? But then how often do we put the time in to actually hear from God? And I am more, I am, you know, got... I'm pointing at everybody else, but I got three fingers pointing back at me because I, w- I want to hear from God, but I, I want to hear about it quickly. I don't want to hear about it, you know, three days later. I don't want to hear about it a week later. Like if I ask you a question, I want it now. It's like my students in the classroom, they're sitting there and they have a, this thought and they need to say it right then and there. It doesn't matter what I'm, what I'm teaching about, what lesson we're doing. They need to say it right then and there. They don't want to wait. And then if I don't talk to them right then or I don't give them an answer, then they want to sit there and they want to keep asking and asking and asking. And instead of waiting for my timeline, waiting for me to, you know, maybe cover it later on in the presentation, they want it right then and there. And that's how we, we approach God. We approach God with God. It's my time. And I think you need to respect my time, but we don't look at the vice versa. We don't look at the, you know, it might be my time, God, but you, it's also a part of your time. And I know that your timing is best. And we don't always go through and we don't always look at it that way. We just want it on our timeline. We want to look like that model Christian that says that we, we and we, 
We want to look like that model Christian, but we don't want to practice it ourselves. You know, we tell people, you know, you know, I prayed about it. I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it and I prayed about it. But no one ever asks that person, well, did you wait to hear about it? Did you wait to hear about it? We always go through and we're like, you know, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And we never wait for the answer. We never look for the sign God gives us. And sometimes it's because we're waiting for the answer we want from God. We're waiting for the answer that we want to hear from God. It's not the answer that we feel like necessarily God wants to give us. And so a lot of the times, and the devil knows that, he knows that we're not going to wait from God. So he puts that anticipation in our heart. He puts that, you know, that, I don't want to say, he, he tries to get us away from that guidance of patience and push us more into a rush. And we stray away from what's good in the sight of God. And we start looking at what's good in the sight of us. We, we put on our rose colored glasses and we only see what we want to see instead of what's truth. Um, he, and when we do that, we get away from God's path. We get away from what's good in the sight of God and we turn to what's good in the sight of us. And we trade our armor of God for the armor of our flesh and we operate in our fleshly man, letting it drive our ways instead of operating in our spirit. And that's where the Lord meets us. That's where the Lord wants us. He wants us in our spirit. He wants us to always drive ourselves to be the person that's getting closer and closer to God, be that person that's always driving to to reach the next level in our spirituality. And that comes with listening and discerning the voice of God. And, you know, just taking a break for a second and saying, you know, I haven't got my answer right now, but I will get my answer. And it might be, you want it right then. Now you need it right then and now. But what ends up happening is if we rush it too much, it ends up not being what we think we turned out. And then we stop for a second and we ask God for help. And then sometimes, and this is kind of, I went through a season like this uh, about a couple months ago. We ask God for help and then we sit back and all we think about is the silence. Nothing, we don't hear anything. We're not hearing what we want to hear. We're not hearing, you know, just a little whisper. We're not hearing in that loud roaring voice. We're not hearing nothing. We're just hearing nothingness. And that's the hard part is that when we go through and we're listening into the silence for something that is not there because he doesn't want it to be there. And we get to the point in our lives where all we see is emptiness and all we hear is silence, not because God doesn't want to talk to us, not because God, we don't want God to direct our paths or parent us, but it's because we want to be in the driver's seat. We want to be there telling God what to do. We want to tell God, this is how I want the next stage of my life to go. This is how the next step goes. And I was thinking about this and I thought about the analogy of us hopping into the driver's seat. You know, everybody knows the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel. I mean, it was top charge for forever. But we want him to take the wheel, but we don't want to give up control of the wheel at the same time. We almost want him to be like that little kid riding in our laps where we still have control of the wheel, but they can play with it for a little bit. And what we start to do is we we go through and we get on that. We start the drive or we get on the road trip and then we start changing one setting at a time. And that's what happens with our prayer life. As things get important, we turn away and we start turning um, we start setting the cruise control. We start setting all the radio stations to the station that we want, what we want to hear, not what we need, but we start setting it to things that we want to hear. We start setting the cruise control to work in our time, not God's time. 
we start setting the temperature to the point where we we start the drive and my wife is horrible at this and i hope she doesn't listen to this because she knows she knows it irks me we've had plenty of conversations about this but we get into the car and especially Sunday mornings after she's gotten ready, we get into the car and she starts blasting the air conditioner. And I'm like, what is the point of you blasting the air conditioner in five minutes? You're going to turn it down or in two minutes, you're going to turn it down. What is the point? Because I'm cold natured. She's hot natured. So I'm like, I don't need this air blasting on me, but if I, but I need airflow. So if I close the vent, then I feel like I'm suffocating because I have no airflow, but that's what happens. We, we get in the car, we get in the driver's seat with God and we want to control all the settings. We want to control how on fire we are for him. And we start out super high on blast. We've got all the settings up. We are ready. We're going. And then we get halfway through the road trip and we, we turn everything down. We're like, you know, that's probably a little bit too much. I need to, you know, settle into a little more comfortability. We want to be more comfortable. And that's what happens is we start changing things as things get hard, things get tough, and they start pulling us more and more away from God. So we slowly turn the temperature, and then we get less on fire for God. We let our passion falter, and it goes into all of our actions. And so what we think is good in the sight of the Lord is actually good in the sight of us. It's good in the sight of Kyler. It's good in the sight of you know each individual person, and that's, that's the part that gets hard. And this is just one of the many attacks the devil uses. When Jesus was on earth during his earthly ministry, he went off by himself to pray. And during that time he was tempted by the devil and guess what tactic he went through and used. He tried to alter his vision. He tried to alter the focus. He tried to change the heart of Jesus. His purpose was if he could change how important it was, if he could change the ultimate outcome, then he could change everything else. And that's what he does. He comes in and he tries to talk to us and he tries to change the outcome of our situations. He tries to, you know, pull away God's voice from us and put in his voice. And that's what we have to do. We have to get to the point where we learn the devil's tactics. We learn what he's trying to do. We learn what he's going to do. So we're going to take a break. And when we get back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about, dive into scripture about how Jesus handled that situation, but also about different tactics that we see in the Bible that the devil uses and how we can combat those. So um, just give us a minute. We'll be right back. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by the Jewelers Bench. They are a full service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed citizen watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 North Westwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. I told you you were speeding. Don't worry. I got pulled over by this guy last month and I pleaded with him not to give me a ticket and he gave me a warning. Good afternoon. Oh, Mr. Smith, speeding again. Uh, hi, officer. I... Yeah, I know. I promise I'll never do it again. 
Okay? I can't believe this. Shh. Please sign here. You're giving me a ticket? You were speeding, sir. That's not fair. You gave me a warning last time. Oh, I see. You want justice. Um. So, to be fair, I'll not only give you a ticket for speeding today, I'll also give you the ticket you deserved last month. Do you continue to live sinfully because you expect God to have mercy? Well, the Bible says conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. God expects us to live holy lives. His grace is amazing. Don't take it for granted. Show your gratitude with obedience. Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by R.L. Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573 686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmenatpalaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, we're back and we're talking about, I guess I'm talking about today because, you know, Anthony, he's sick and all. So keep prayers on him that he gets healthy again. Um, he's going through a lot of, I mean, he's running for election right now, school board election. So be in prayer for that too. But we're talking about how, how to take our, replace us in, in our heads and put Jesus there, how to not work on God's timing, but work on our diet, our timing. And then building that strategic defense against the devil on what we can do and what we can not doing. I told you we we're going to dive into uh, scripture a little bit about how Jesus was tempted um, in his early ministry here. And if we look, I'm looking at Luke four um, verses one through. Uh, I'm just going to keep reading until I feel like stopping. I think it's like one through ten actually. And it says, "Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into in, in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Forty days. Okay, I'm going to pause there for just a second." 40 days of nonstop temptation. You know, we go through seasons in life where we feel like our season's never going to end. We go through it and we're like, oh my gosh, is this season ever going to end? And we look back, we're like, oh, that wasn't so bad, you know? But I don't know if the devil, I mean, he could, he, in some people's lives, he probably could go 40 days, but I don't remember ever where it was just a consistent battle by myself for 40 days. It says, Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I would give you the glory of all these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you 
and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. I don't know about you, but the part that sticks out to me in that verse, I mean, there's a lot of things stick out to me, but one of the things was he offered up pretty much anything, anything of this world that he could have. And he was like, you know what? I can give that to you. You want to be king? I can make you king. You want that city? I can give you that city. You want that land? I can give you that land. You want people to worship you? I can make people worship you. And that's in all of our lives. I think there's a point where we would want to just say yes, that, you know what, if this battle can just be over, if this season of my life can just be done, if we can, if I can walk away from this better than what I started, then I would just say yes. And that's the hard part is, is the temptation because the devil doesn't make things look bad all the time. He doesn't come in and make things look like you are going to be completely and utterly destroyed. He can come in and make it look like anything. He can make it look like a kingdom for you. He can make it look like, I mean, anything and everything. And when we're looking at that, I mean, what would your response be? Think about this for a second. Just pause. If somebody came to you and they said, if you will do this for me, I will make you a king. I mean, think about it. Just, I mean, pause the podcast, pause whatever you want to do. Think about that. Would your faith be enough to pull you through that moment? Would your faith be important enough to you to say, no, I would rather be in the trenches with God than be on the highest mountain where everybody worships me? I mean, there's a lot that goes into play there. I mean, you're looking at your families, you're looking at everything else there. I mean, think about it. Kings don't want for anything. They don't have to want for anything. They don't have to worry if their power is going to be shut off the next month. They don't have to worry about um, where their food's going to come from the next day, where what's, if they're going to be able to pay for gas or groceries going to be enough, or am I going to be able to pay my house payment that month? They don't have to worry about that. And that's essentially what the devil is offering. He goes, I can offer you the best of this world, but we, get caught up in wanting the best of this world that we forget that there is a whole other eternity waiting for us. We forget that this is not the best of the best. This is not the best that can happen. I mean, at one point in time, I mean, back before um, sin came into the world, it was the best of the best. I believe God gave everything to this earth. He gave everything to the creation of this earth. And we ended up, you know, taking it and destroying that. But what we want to do is, and what the devil was trying to offer him, there was freedom. And at that point in his ministry, I mean, he had people attacking him constantly. He had people always looking to him, looking at his, looking, he always was looking over his shoulder. When's the next person going to try to come kill me? When's the next person that's going to try? I mean, he was telling his disciples, like there was going to come a day where people will, they will see you and they, because you know, my name or you were following me, they will want to kill you. Um, and in revelations, it's the same thing in the end times. That's what's going to happen. But we, to grow as Christians, we have to put up a strategic offense against the devil. The best defense I know is knowing the plans of the enemy. Any good coach, no matter the sport, is going to go in, he's going to know the plays. He's going to know the tactics of the other team before they play them. Who's the best batter? Who, which pitches do they struggle with hitting the most? Does the opponent have a strong offense or defense? Who are the heavy hitters on the team? Who will they pass the ball to the most? Um, 
what event are they best at? So where where are they going to score the most points? I, I look back at swim team because that's what I coach. And we go through and we have our biggest meets, our conference meet, I mean, besides state, but our biggest meets are conference meet. And I pull everybody in the conference. I'm looking at all six of the Southeast teams. And I'm like, okay, this is this person. This one's this person. This one's qualified in this event, a state. And I'm going through and I'm looking at their heavy hitters so I can prepare the best lineup that I can. And when you go into battle, you have to know your enemy's tactic. You have to know the enemy's territory, what he's good at, what they're not good at, what they're strong at, what they're not strong at. And you have to create a battle plan. And one of the biggest things that you have to look at is their weaknesses or what they're going to use. That way you can bring up your weaknesses to a strength as well. That way you can face them. And uh, Dr. David Jeremiah he did a blog post on his website and he talked about nine different strategies that Satan uses ammo against us. Um, and we're going to talk about those right now. He, in the first one he talks about, he says he twists the word of God. Satan is not against using the word of God. Now he can make it look differently, but Satan knows the word. He, I mean, he quoted the word to God in that And when Satan confronted Jesus in the wilderness, he used the truth of God for purposes that aren't going to glorify God, but it made it look. He said God could turn stone into bread. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. Yes, he can do it. He could do it. But what he was doing was he was misapplying the truth. He took the truth that was in the Bible, and we are horrible about that. We want to take what's in the Bible and we want to twist it to make it truth. That way we can better ourselves. And he does that exact same thing and he'll do that to your minds. He will say, no, maybe that's not what he actually meant. Maybe it's this. And then he can find like seven different scriptures that will support you twisting that. And we have to, that's where we have to discern. You know, when I open up my Bible in the mornings, when I'm doing my devotions, I pray, I'm like, God, please help me to understand and help your Holy spirit reveal to me what you want me to learn. That way I don't go in there and I don't cloud God's word. I don't cloud what he wants me to teach with my own truth, with my own wisdom, because the world, when you go in there with the Holy spirit backing you, you can understand so much more. His second one thing is, is he disguises himself. He, uh, Satan is good at coming in and putting on a mask and he can appear righteous and religious. I mean, he can come in and he can show, I mean, one of the ones that he talked about was the apostle Paul's running with false prophets in second Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. He says, um, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. I mean, God tells us there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be people who are going to come in and they're going to try to tell us, you know, this is right and it's actually not. And we have to just make sure that we we are ready for that battle. We have to be able to sure that we have scripture, that we have a discerning mind behind us to make sure that he knows exactly or that we know exactly how to counteract that and say. And a lot of the times, if you think to yourself, you know, you've got that conscience in your spirit, your spirit's going to be checked. It's going to say, you know, that doesn't feel right. I mean, there are people that I meet or words that I hear people say that I'm like, and there'll be people who, you know, who... I know, read the Bible every day and they'll say something. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if that's right. Like, I don't know if I believe that. And it's not that I don't, that they don't believe in God or that they don't believe in what they're saying, but it's just that my spirit feels checked that I need to make sure that that's what's being said. And then the third one, he says, he imitates, he goes through and he will go through and he will try to imitate, um, powers of God. So when the apostles took the gospel 
a Christ into Samaria, they encountered a satanically inspired magician named Simon. He was known as the great power of God, but um, what they did was they heeded him because he was astonished them with the sorcerers for a long time. And if you look at, I mean, even back in the Bible times with Moses, um, and Moses was trying to get um, the Israelites freed from Egypt, he would go in and he would perform a miracle that God told him to perform, and then the Egyptian sorcerers could do the same thing. I mean, he could mask it. He could imitate God. He can't be God, but he can imitate God. And we have to know the difference between an imitation and the real thing. I mean, there's people all the time. If you watch, um, oh, I can't think what it's called. Um, but they go into like these thrift shops or they're like collectors and they'll go in and they're, they're looking at, you know, like if there's a signature of somebody, they'll pull it up of what it actually looks like compared to this. They're looking for the imitations. And we have to be that intentional. We have to be just like that. If we hear a word of God, if we hear, you know, somebody giving us a word, if we hear somebody talking to us or we we're studying or we're reading, um, especially with social media, the way that it is, we have to look and we have to make sure that it is clear and that it's not an imitation. Another one says he steals, kills and destroy. We know that like the back of our hand. That's his whole point. If you have ever been to church in your life, you've probably heard a message about how the devil is here to still kill and destroy and he will do anything. He is ready to come in and he will do whatever he can to make sure that the life that God's created for you, that the life that God wants you to have is not going to be there. And we have to look, um, the axis Satan who, who we think is always seemingly violent can also appear very explainable. Um, not out of order in normal courses of events, but behind them, the strategy behind it is going to ultimately lead you to, you know, termination of what God has on your path. And he can, God can bring you back onto the right path, but we have to make sure that what looks good is the path that God wants us to be on. Another one um, that he puts on here is he, he blinds. And that's probably where we're at the most is he, he puts those rose colored glasses on that I was talking about earlier. He, he will come in and he will he will show us the best image. He will show us the best of ourselves or what we think is the best. And he will go through and it will be something that's not what God wants us to do. It, it could be too good to be true, but he's shown us. And so all we can see is that all we can see is what is before us. Um, the way that, uh, Dr. Jeremiah puts it, he says, when someone doesn't understand algebra or trigonometry, we think it's purely an intellectual issue, not so a spiritual truth. The truth of God has been spiritually discerned. And if a person's spirit can be clouded by interference with Satan, it will be difficult for that person to embrace the truth. With algebra, we repeat the formula enough times until the person understands. With spiritual truth, repetition is not the issue. Spiritual openness in discernment is. Satan can be the reason such discernment is missing. If I can stress one thing tonight or one thing today, it's that to pray for a discerning heart, to pray for a discerning spirit in your body, because that discerning spirit will check you. That discerning spirit will put you into a place that you, you want to be with God. He will put you into a place where you have such a strong strategic defense that you are ultimately going to be able to defeat the devil in any way, shape or form. And if I can, if there's one thing to build the best defense, it's, is to pray for discernment, pray for a discerning heart, pray for um, that that discerning mindset between everything. I know uh, I've I've talked about a lot of points here, but you know, as we as I wrap this up, if if you can go through and you can think of anything to do to pray over this week, is to pray that you are closer with God, because like I've said tonight, 
tonight um, that the devil can come in any way, shape, or form. He will use any tactic. He is not above or below any tactic. He will do whatever he can to get you away from God's purpose in your life, and he will continue to do it. So I just pray that this week you will just ask for that um, discerning heart that it, you will continue to make that spiritual walk. So if you have any questions or you need prayer for anything, you can always you know contact us at realmanatpalaceofpraise.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, I want to end in a prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be leaders of our home, churches, and community. And Holy Spirit, teach us to be godly, courageous men. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmenatpalaceofpraise.com, or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.